Turn, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Children can be dismissed to youth alive. Children can be dismissed to youth alive. Six this morning. We are continuing our study this morning in Ephesians, and we briefly touched on this last week at the end of the sermon, but I felt the Lord moving us back over here again. Today, the title for the message is simply Working for God. Working for God. Since October the 1st, we have been examining Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 21, down to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 9. And what I've been diligent, I believe, and I've tried to be diligent in, is to point out to you what is the main subject in these verses. And the main subject that we have concluded in all of these verses is the Lord. 17 times out of 22 verses, you find the Lord being mentioned. The Lord being mentioned. Either by pronoun, either by the Lord, either by Christ, or by one singular use of the word master. The reason I point that out is because oftentimes is that in the scriptures we want to compartmentalize them. I have nothing against, uh, there was a class I took in college, and uh, it was called Systematic Theology. And uh, we Americans love to systemize things. We love to categorize things. We love different fields of study. But what can happen is that when we do that, we have to be careful that we don't systematize God. What I mean by that is that he is not a network of cables that is strung together. He is not someone that we can pack away in some nice box and just get him out whenever we might please. And invest in the areas that we like about him and then deny the areas that we uh, perhaps don't too much like about him. That is the danger with systematics. That is the danger with categorizations. And the categories that are in these verses are wives, husbands, Children, fathers, parents, workers, and employers. But overall, the meaning behind it all and the emphasis is the Lord. It's the fear of God. The heading for all of it is uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 21. Submitting yourselves therefore one to another. And then here is the main point of all of it. What does it say in that next prepositional phrase? In the what? Fear of what? God. Ephesians 5, 20. Everybody at the same place I am? All right. Am I reading out of a different version here? I don't know. Uh, let's try that again. Ephesians 5, 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in what? In the fear of God. In the fear of God. That's where we are to submit ourselves to one to another in. In the fear of the Lord. And what happens is that when we compartmentalize God, we become 
Uh, sadly, we can become like the cults do. That's what the cults have done. They find certain parts about God that they do not like in His Word, and they direct their attention there or forget it or put it to rest. They say, uh, we don't like the teachings on uh, hell, and so we don't believe that. Uh, we don't like the teaching, or nor do we understand how Jesus could both be God and how he could also be created man. We don't understand that, so we reject that teaching. Uh, we cannot reconcile the Trinity, so we deny it. And this happens in many cults. Uh, it happens in Mormonism, uh, Jehovah's False Witnesses. Uh, it happens in other uh, cults, too. There are even those that are not in cults that take the act of like creation and try to distort it because they cannot merge it with the evolutionary teaching of millions of years. Or now we're up to billions of years, right, I guess. So since we cannot merge science and God's word, then we'll come up with some kind of compromise and day-age theory and all that kind of stuff and that nonsense and that false teaching. Uh, no, we believe that God created the heavens and the earth in six literal 24-hour days, just like the Bible teaches. Amen. I'll say that again. Uh, we believe that God created the heavens and the earth and all that there it is in six literal 24-hour days, just as God says in his word. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's what we believe. And uh, that's what we teach. That's where we're at. The earth is about 6,000 years old. It's not really, we believe in young earth, and uh, we're not old earth here. And uh, because to do so would be denying the scriptures, and it would also be uh, most readily even to deny Jesus Christ. So uh, we don't want to, we wouldn't want to do that either, I don't believe. But uh, there are even of those of us that are, that are Christians, and dare I even say this this, this morning uh, to some of us, uh, and uh, what a great way to start the sermon out is, uh, is that we celebrate, uh, even us that are believers, uh, we put a great, sometimes, emphasis on uh, the day of the dead. The day of the dead. Why would we as Christians need to celebrate death when we're supposed to celebrate life? We came out of darkness and into life, did we not? Why celebrate death? You know, the seven feasts, that you study them out in, uh, in the Word of God, is that all of those feasts were celebrating life. So, oh, not the Passover. They killed an animal then and spread the blood over it. Oh, they were celebrating life. They were celebrating the fact that they were living and that the blood saved them. The blood saved them. Listen, folks, we've got to have a biblical worldview on things. But all of that to say that we come to the passage like this before us, and we tend to break it up. We say husbands and wives and children and employers and employees, and that is helpful, no doubt, and we should do it. But the thrust is Jesus. The thrust is Jesus, and that is even highlighted even more in our text before us today in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Let us read it. He says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. And I want you to, as you read, think with me. Okay? Think with me as we read. And I want you to be able to pick out the area, the places where you find the word Lord or God or Christ. And notice here in verse number 5, Servants, be obedient to them 
that all your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of heart, as unto Christ, not with eye servants as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. In those few verses, you find that God is mentioned several different times. Just in those five verses right there. I believe he has mentioned seven different times in five verses. And the point being for us today is that we must work for God. We do not work for an employer. We do not work for ourselves. We're not self-employed, if you will, though I understand that's what we might record on our tax returns. We are working for the Lord. Our lives are to be lived for God. That's the purpose, that's the point of a believer's life. And God is concerned with how we work. And do you realize that work has ever, has even been since the beginning of time? That work is not a newfound concept that came, came about because of the curse or the fall of mankind. I'm constantly amazed how God outlines uh, very important Bible doctrines in the first few chapters of Genesis. Again, another reason not to deny those things. There was an era of Christianity that did put the emphasis there upon this. Uh, they put it in somewhere that they ought not to have put it. But I'm glad that we're seeing that era fade away. There was a time when the church put the emphasis and there was a lot of teaching on this day-age nonsense and gap theory. It was even in your... Uh, it, that's why I don't use the Schofield Bible uh, anymore because, uh, because it's taught there in the notes. And, uh, and so if you've got a Schofield Bible here, I'm not condemning you. Okay, all right. All right, it's not... Listen, what's inspired is not what's in the notes. What's inspired is in the Word, Okay. All right, okay, so, all right, I've got a lot of commentaries back in my office, all right, all right, and uh, none of those are the Word of God, okay, except when they quote the Word of God, so every man makes a mistake, but I'm just saying this morning that we're going past some of that, and there's some that have brought in, uh, have emphasized the book of Genesis, and I've really put it out there. Uh, like answers in Genesis. Uh, but the record shows us why God is so concerned with work. You know why God is so concerned with work? It's because God invented work. <laughs> you said he did? Yes, he did. Oh, yes, you said, that's right. I remember what it says. It says, man shall live by the, uh, he shall uh, work by the, uh, the, the sweat of his brow, right? Well, uh, that's a misnomer too. Uh, the Bible doesn't say that a man shall work by the sweat of his brow. This is your brow, right? It says you shall work by the sweat of his what? Face. His face. His whole entire face. His whole entire body will sweat and be in toil because 
of the labor that is brought to him from the curse. But do you realize that even before that, that God spoke of work? In Genesis chapter number 1, in verse number 28, the Bible says this, is that in, in fact it speaks of two different types of work. In Genesis 1.28, the Bible says this, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, This is before the fall. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And then here it is, And subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. What that meant was this, is that man and woman were set up to rule and have dominion over all the earth and all its creatures. God was the original conservationist. Do you realize that? God was the original conservationist. And he assigned man and he assigned woman as the managers over all living things. But because man fell and because man sins and because man is wicked, he does things like kill off every single bird that he can kill off, right? Because he's hungry or because they're pretty. The reason you have extinction and the reason you have all these threatened species is because of sin, my friend. The original intent of God was for man to manage the earth and manage things. You know, what amazes me is that people in America sometimes despise Christian heritage, but they love conservation. Do you realize if you go to a country that is non-Christian, you will, find, you will not find rules and laws that practice conservation. Why? Because they're non-Christian. That is a Christian thought and teaching, okay? You like cleanliness? That comes from God. Go to a third world country that doesn't believe God as a nation, as a whole, that were not founded in God, and you'll find dirtiness and wickedness and sewage running down through the streets. Blindness, it is, I'm not going to get into all that. Never mind. But man was set up to rule these things. The second thing is this. It's in Genesis 2.15. Listen to this. And the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. And listen, to dress it and to keep it. That was before the fall. God established that men and women should work to prune the garden, to pick the fruit, to take care of the garden. The word dress there literally is a Hebrew word that is oftentimes translated in your Old Testament as the word, guess it, work. It is actually that you would work the garden. Men and women were there to work the garden. But here's a blessing, amen? There was no disease. Amen? There's no briars. There's no thorns. Uh, there's no chickers. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I hate chickers. He said, did God create them afterwards? Listen, I don't understand all of that, okay? Maybe he had a purpose before them, before they go. I don't understand, okay? But what I'm just saying this is that there was no sweat, there was no toil, there was no labor, but then came sin, right? And sin cursed the garden, and he cursed man, and then he cursed men with hot days and cold days and wind and rain and sleet and snow and briars and bugs to eat up the crops and pain and toil and back aches and knee aches and all the rest of it. But think about it. The first employee was Adam, and God was his boss. 
And he even messed up on his job, right? Ever work somewhere and they tell you, I mean, you're just, I mean, you're just kind of a, you're kind of a low man on the totem pole, you know? And you're not allowed to go up to a certain floor, you know, maybe. You're not allowed to go into a certain office. You're not allowed in certain areas of the building because you don't have proper clearance, right? Listen, Adam did not have clearance on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He didn't have clearance to go over there and eat off that thing. But he did anyhow and disobeyed God. And in his disobedience, God cursed him and the woman. Another chapter later, in chapter number four, you have Cain and Abel. And what are they doing? What are Cain and Abel doing? Killing each other. No, I'm not talking about that. Abel never killed anybody. Cain killed his brother. What is happening? They're working. Cain is working the fields. He is getting the fruit. He is getting the, he is getting the squash and the cucumbers and all the rest of it. While Abel is working out as a shepherd. Both are working. Both are right for doing their trade. And both were profitable in their line of work. God is not upset with Cain for not working hard. But get this. He was upset with Cain for thinking that it was his works that earned him favor with God. Your works cannot earn you any favor with the Lord. And man, I've heard so many people say that too often. They'll say, man, I've been honest and I've been a good hard worker all my life. Surely God, uh, that will mean something to God. God will see that right. That ought to earn me some clout with the Lord. Listen, my friend, nothing can earn you favor with God because we're sinners. We're lost. Nothing can earn us favor. And you know what? That's a good thing. Amen? Did you know that's a good thing that we cannot work our way into heaven? Because if we could, the Bible tells us what would happen. The Bible says, but by grace you are saved through faith and not of works, lest any man should, anybody know the next word? Boast. Boast. If you could get to heaven on your own, you would sit there in heaven just like some people sit here upon earth, and I've talked to them, and you have too, that will tout and say and gloat and boast and say, man, I've been a good worker. Man, look how good I've been. Man, I've been always faithful to the job. And they'll always tell you about how good they are. But here's the thing, is that when you get to heaven, there's nobody telling each other how good they are. Amen. It's all of us telling each other how good God is. Amen. That even I should even be here. I shouldn't even be here. I don't even understand why I'm here. Why would God even save me? I don't get it. I don't understand it. But you know what I'm going to do for eternity? Praise Jesus. I'm going to praise the Lord for what He's done. Christianity is a pride killer. It kills our pride. That's why people don't want to believe in Christ alone. Because it takes away their works. It takes away their actions. It makes their works worthless. And they must admit, I am nothing. I know nothing. God is right. I am wrong. Cain was unwilling to do that. And he suffered the consequences for it. Chapter number 6. This is Genesis still. I'm establishing that work is a principle of God. Chapter number 6, what is that? 
the building of the ark. Now that took some work, didn't it? Anybody of y'all been on a 120-year, uh, you know, construction project? One preacher said one time, he said, I know why Noah got drunk after, he, after the flood. It took him 120 years to build the ark. <laughs> Has anybody ever been in a building project before? Has anybody ever been in a church building project before? Those can be stressful. But you know what God said? Build the ark. It was work. 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 Look at chapter 11. And what do you see in chapter 11? You see a whole city working. Building a tower, as it says. But again, for the wrong reasons. You see, we can work for the right reasons and we can work for the wrong reasons. They were building a tower to God so that they could attain unto God. And the pride, their pride got the best of them in their work. And I'm just, I'm just, I just want to slam that again. Just let you, listen, my friend, you can be a great worker, and I hope you're a great worker. But if you're relying upon how good of a worker you are at your work or your business or for your family in order to get you to heaven, my friend, you're relying on the wrong things. That's not going to get you into glory, my friend. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not of us. And then in chapter number 12 through 22 in, in the book of Genesis, you write it to another man. His name is Abraham. And Abraham was a worker. He was a shepherd. He raised herds of animals. And because of it, he became very wealthy. He was an excellent husbandman. He taught that trade to his son Isaac, who did the same thing. And Isaac taught it to Jacob and to Esau, who would do the same things also. Uh, he, and, 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 uh, and Jacob himself uh, would learn this trade, and he would take that trade to uh, his father-in-law's place, Laban. And he would spend 20 years laboring for Laban, for his wives, and for his reward. Take your Bibles over to Genesis chapter number 31 and verse number 36. Genesis 31 and verse number 36. Jacob tells us about his trials and about his labors a little bit as he's complaining to Laban about the way that he had treated him. God had told Jacob to move on and Laban came to attack him and to kill him and bring back all of his stuff but God warned him in a dream that that would not be a good idea. And so instead, Laban rebukes Jacob but then Jacob rebukes Laban for Laban had done him so wrong for so many years and Jacob was wroth and he chode with Laban and answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass and what is my sin that thou hast so hotly pursued after me? Whereas thou hast searched all my stuff, what thou hast found that thy household, set it here before thy brethren, thy brethren, that they may judge which will expose. These twenty years have I been with thee. And this is work, folks. Listen to this. I mean, this is work. 
Thy ewes and thy she-goats have not cast their young, and the rams of thy flock have I not eaten. That which was torn of beasts I brought not unto thee, I bear the loss of it, and my hand didst require of it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was, in the day the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from mine eyes. Thus have I been twenty years in thine house, and I have served thee fourteen years for thy two daughters, and six years for thy cattle, and thou hast changed my wages ten times, except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac, and uh, that had been with me. Surely thou hast sent me away now empty. God hath seen my affliction, the labor of my hands, and rebuked thee yesternight. God preserved Jacob, but he was a hard worker. He worked for the Lord. He says, I did it in the fear of God. I worked for my wives. And that's some real love right there, isn't it? Work for. And then in chapter number, uh, chapter number 33, Jacob has 12 sons. And those 12 sons, they all become, you guessed it, workers. All of them. Shepherds of the field. Some of them uh, practicing in other uh, types of work. But out of the 12 sons, there's one son that stands out above the rest of them. And who is that? Joseph. Joseph. Joseph at an early age was known for his excellent spirit, his good character, and his good work ethic. But Joseph was made fun of by his brothers. Did that hinder his good character and his work ethic? No. Because at 16 years old, we realize that we find and we read that he was so trustworthy at 16. Listen to me. At 16 years old, how many of us would sit a 16-year-old out today? At 16 years old, he was so trustworthy that he sent his son, Joseph, on a two-day expedition to find his brothers and a two-day expedition back in order that he might bring them word on how they were doing. Two days turned into three days. And that third day, they found they, 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 he found his brothers, but he never made that three-day trip back home, did he? Do you think that discouraged him? Do you think that stopped him from being a godly work men for the Lord. Because what happened was that he was sold into slavery by his own brothers. Did that stop him from working? Genesis 39 and verse number 4, and Joseph found grace in his sight that is in Potiphar's sight. And he served him and made him overseer over his house and all that he had he put into his hands. It didn't matter what Joseph had been through. He was still going to work Hard for the Lord. Look at chapter number 30. Uh, if you go on, you find out that later on in the chapter that he's falsely accused of sexually assault, of sexual assault, and he's thrown into prison. Does that stop his testimony with the Lord? All of a sudden, maybe now he'll stop working and sit and sulk and have a bad attitude and hate God and hate everybody around him. Maybe he'll just get fat and lazy, right? Bible says in Proverbs, the hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. That is, that is under uh, under the tax or under the interest of the creditors. He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. 
The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. The slothful man saith, there's a lion without. I shall be slain in the streets. What does that mean? You know, a slothful man will find every excuse possible not to work. Right? That's like me. That's like you saying, you know what? I might get in a car wreck tomorrow. I better not go to work, you know? Can you imagine that? I better not go. As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth a slothful upon his bed. They don't ever get out of bed. They're always sleeping. Is that, was that Joseph's attitude? Thrown in prison? Falsely accused? Sold into slavery? No. Maybe he'll just get a, maybe he'll do like some other people do. He'll just get a chip on his shoulder, right? He's had a bad go of it. And he's got a right to be hateful and rude and crude to everybody that's around him. Maybe he'll just uh, become the jail bully, bully and beat up on everybody that tries to push him around. Because he's not going to be pushed around anymore, right? He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. Ladies, you can be this too. Make no friendship. You know, the Bible says, the Bible doesn't say be friends with everybody. Do you know that? It says, make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, shalt not go lest thou learn his ways and become like unto him. An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. No, he didn't start a riot in the prison. Amen? He didn't start a riot. No, he just continued to have an excellent spirit, work hard, even though he was in jail under false pretense, under false charges. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. Here was a man that was at one time wealthy. He was the future heir to a great inheritance. And now he is a slave prisoner. It doesn't get any worse, my friend, than that right there. But it didn't matter. Because God had ordained that people were from the beginning, and Joseph followed God in everything, no matter how bad it got. And we never hear him getting mad, upset, lazy, or frivolous, because he had a single eye. Now go back to your Ephesians passage in Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 5. The first verse that we read says this, is that those workers must have a singleness of heart. If you're going to work for God, then number one, you've got to have a single eye on God. A single eye on God. Matthew 6, 22 says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Do you realize that you cannot work for your boss? Let me say that again. That might be a shock to you. Do you realize that you cannot work for your boss? Do you realize that you cannot work for your customers? All this applies to you that are business owners too. If you work for the customer or if you work for the boss, you'll do one or two things. Here's what will happen. Number one, 
Either you'll spend so much time, energy, and effort into the workplace, into the ball, and, and, into the, and into the customers that you'll neglect God, you'll neglect your Bible reading, you'll neglect your prayer, and you'll neglect church. Because what will happen is this, is that, is that the boss will call on Sunday morning and say, I need you to come in. And you know what you'll do? You'll drop everything that you're doing, and you won't care about your family, you won't care about church, and you won't care about what God thinks, and you'll go and work. Instead, you should be coming to church and bringing your family to church. I know that's not easy preaching, and I know, I, I, you know, I fought with God with what I'm saying here this morning. I'll never forget one time I was uh, at a friend's house, and we went to church that Sunday morning, and, and I knew I needed to go to church on that Sunday night. I didn't have nothing to do, but he said, hey, let's go fishing. You know what? I don't think I caught a single fish that Sunday evening. I'm glad I didn't. But the whole time, I was miserable because I knew where I should be. I knew where I should be. I should have been in the Lord's house. I had no reason to not to be. You cannot serve God and mammon, my friend. It doesn't work. Or what will happen is that you'll not, you, might, you might not neglect those things. Another thing that will happen is that you'll get so bitter and angry at the customer base or at the boss, and you'll get so mad at them that you'll lose your testimony. The common phrase that you hear about Joseph is this, is that the Lord was with him. Let me ask you a, play, let me ask you a question. When you're at work, can people see the Lord is with you? Do people recognize that the Lord is with them? Moms, let me ask you a question. When you're at the super, supermarket, when you're at HEB, and you got the kids all around you, do people recognize the Lord is with her? She is, I mean, hey, dads, whenever you're with your kids out at the ballpark, do people say, hey, the Lord is with them? I can see it. Their attitude, their actions, their, their life is different from ours. The Lord is with them. They show up on time. They're hard workers. They're willing to invest into something. Having a single eye. Listen, my friend, you cannot work for the man. You've got to work for the master. You've got to work for the master. As a Christian, I'm speaking to believers. If you're unsaved here today, you have no clue what I'm talking about. Your mind is not comprehending what is happening here because you can't comprehend spiritual things. You need to be saved. You need to trust Christ. You need to believe in Him alone to be saved. And when you get saved, then you'll start to see, that makes sense. <laughs> I can't work for the man. I've got to work for the master. Because he is my master. How can one work for a master when he is not your master? For one is your master, even Christ. But how can Christ be your master? How can Christ be your master if he's not your master? If you're not, if he's not your savior. Romans 2.24 says that for the name of God is blasphemed among you Gentiles through you, as it is written. When people see you work, do they know you're a Christian? Or do you, or do you act just like they do? You get on your phone when the boss isn't around. You're always on your phone doing something. 
you take longer than normal breaks, you get mad at customers and cuss and carry on about them behind their back or maybe in front of their face. You're late for work, you call in sick, you no-show. My dad told me he was a manager and, uh, of a business and, and uh, you know, managed multi-millions of dollars worth of equipment and, and, uh, and payrolls and salaries. He said, Matthew, and this was before I was going into ministry, he said, Matthew, he said, do three things. He said, you'll be a successful worker. He said, show up on time. He said, don't call in sick and work hard. He said, you'll be successful. I said, why, Dad? Why is that? He said, because the majority of people do not show up on time, do not call in sick, pull no-shows, and they just don't do their job. They talk to people, they gossip, they're in the break room too long. You're lazy. When people see that, and they know that you're a Christian, or at least you claim to be a Christian, you tell them that you're a Christian, then you know what's going to happen? They're going to blaspheme the name of Christ. They'll say, she calls herself a Christian. And look, she can't even show up to work on time. She can't even uh, do her job. She, she can't even, and it's not because of bad training, it's because you're doing something else. Or, oh man, uh, he, man, he says he's a Christian, but oh, he, he laughs with the jokes uh, that are evil and ungodly, just like we do. He's got the same ones, and man, he's got the same mouth that we got. <laughs> and he says, I'll never go to church because look at that, that all Christians are just hypocrites, aren't they? How many times have you ever heard that? They complain, oh man, they just complain about the boss just like the rest of us. They bicker and fight with the other employees. Single out. You can't work for the boss, my friend. You got to work for the master. Your life is about God. A single eye on God. And then he says that you ought to be servants of Christ. Bond or free. He said, the context, pastor, I know the context. It's talking to slaves. It's talking to masters. Yeah, but you missed a key verse, didn't you? Verse number eight. Whether he be bond or what? Free. Bond or free. It doesn't matter if you're if you're if you're a slave or if you're not a slave. It doesn't matter if you're a slave to the J-O-B or you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. God's requirement is exactly the same. Don't do it for people. That's the requirement. Don't work to be seen of men. You're working for the Lord. If you do it for people, you'll always be upset because you don't get the credit you deserve. You will only work hard when the boss is around. But if you're serving the Lord, you will not just say good things to people's faces, but you'll also say good things behind people's backs. Because you're not serving the man. You're serving the master. Stealing from the company. You will do goodwill. You will not do evil things, knowing that whatsoever good thing uh, that uh, any man doeth, the same shall receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord, not for man. Listen, if you're a Christian that's honest and, and obedient to God and is serving the master and not the man, then you will do what is right. You won't be taking time off the clock when you ought to be working. You're stealing from your employer when you do that. 
You promised I had honest days, an honest, an honest, an honest day's work for an honest day's ways. That's what you promised you would do. But then you're flailing off and you're not doing what's right. You know, I can judge oftentimes a good missionary by this one simple principle. I can judge if somebody's going to be a good, true to their, I don't mean that they're successful. I don't mean that they have a huge church or a huge mission. I'm not saying that. I just know that they're going to say faithful is, is that if I know how somebody worked in the real world, if I know somebody, who how they worked in the real world before they went to the mission field, and they were faithful to their job, and they were faithful to their work, and, that, and people hated to see them go, and they were an asset to the company, you know what, I can usually, 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 Okay? I know everybody's got their faults. I can usually put my confidence in a man like that. Because they proved themselves. They proved themselves. If you want to be in the ministry one day, then first of all, prove it in the workplace. Show it out. Show that you are a worker. You are an asset to the company. I remember when I was working for Sears Roebuck and Company, and I was a preventative maintenance technician. I was there for over a year and a half, and I was working in that job. And I said, I went in, I gave my two weeks' notice. I said, listen, I, 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 I'm going to be doing what I believe God's called me to do. I'm going to be going uh, to Tennessee. I'm going to become a youth pastor up there. You know what they did? You know what they had the audacity to do? And this, I, believe this was not, I don't believe this was from the Lord. I believe it was from the devil. They said, listen. We'll, we'll, we'll raise you. Listen, we're going to make a new position just for you so that so that we can, we, we'll, we'll put you over four different uh, series that just bought Kmart at the time. How many of y'all remember Kmart? How many of you do not know Kmart? I'm just curious. Any, any kids in here not know Kmart? All right. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and they said, we're going to put you over the three Kmarts in town and over this Sears and Sears and Roebuck right here. And you're going to be the technician, the, the maintenance tech for these three, for, for these four buildings right here. And we're going to make you a new position. And we're going to give you an increase in your salary. We're going to give you a full-time job and, and increase and, and, and health benefits and all those kinds of things. You know what I said? I said, no way. I said, no way. I said, no, thank you. Because you know why? Because I'm doing something much better. I'm going to go serve the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with my whole entire life. And I'm not saying that if you do that, if you don't do that, then you're not much better. I'm just saying from the will of God for my life, that would have not have been the will of God. The will of God said, you go serve somewhere and you make $400 a week. I said, Lord, I make more than that. Sears Roebuck and Company working part-time. He said, no, you go up there and serve God up there. I'm just telling you, my friend, is that if we're going to work for God, we can't do it for men. We can't do it for ourselves. If we're doing it for ourselves, you know what? I would have taken the promotion. But I'm not doing it for me. I'm working for the Lord. 
And you know what I got to do on that job? I got to witness to people. I got to tell people about Jesus Christ. I got to invite them to church. Why? Because they saw, because they saw that I was this great preacher. No, I definitely was not a great preacher at 23 years old. I'm still not a great preacher. I'm working on it, trying to get there. It's like an elderly lady telling me one time I was preaching at my home church back in North Carolina, and I just got done preaching and, you know, kind of walked on down the stage and, you know, talking to some people, and some people were saying, oh, that was a great sermon, and I appreciate that and all those kinds of things. And this older lady came up to me. She said, Matthew, she said, I've seen you grow up since you was 14 years old in this church. She said, one day you're going to be a great preacher. <laughs> I said, Amen. I want to. I want to. Friends, I want to always be holding my crap. I don't want to become somebody that's just. I don't. I want to be a better preacher this year or next year than I was this year. I want to be working on it. I want to be doing something about it. I want to be working with my hands. I'm telling you right now. You know, we work for the Lord, my friend. We left that. We left that church there in Tennessee and came on down here to City Hills Baptist Church. And I was getting paid four hundred dollars up there, and I came down here and I got a great pay raise. I got two hundred and fifty dollars. And it's all about God. And it's all about the Lord. It's all about Him. And the same thing goes if you're a boss or a manager or you're just a self or you're just self-employed. Listen, you better have a good testimony. Joseph eventually became the boss in Egypt. And he treated people fairly. He helped people. He didn't think of himself more highly than he should. When his brothers came down, he treated them right and good. Once they repented, he forgave them and helped them and loved them and loved their children. And here Paul says, if you're in charge of a workplace, you better fear God. If you're a manager, you better fear God. You better not have respect of persons. You better not raise up somebody that's a, a that's your cousin just because you know they you know they're they're, they're your cousin. They're you know blood thicker than you know than water, and you're gonna let them be uh, over something when somebody else has worked their tail end off for the last fifteen years, and you're just gonna let somebody else. Don't you better be not be doing that? That will destroy your testimony as a believer. That will destroy those things. You better be fair and honest, and if somebody works hard, you pay them. But in a sense, all of us in this room are a boss. You say, what do you mean? Listen, I know I'm going late this morning, but hang on. All of us have bills to pay. All of us have a mechanic. All of us have an electrician. All of us have somebody. You hire somebody to come take care of something, guess what? You fix something at your house, guess what? You're their boss. 
You tell them what you want. You tell them how you expect it done. You expect this and all these kinds of things. Listen, you ought to pay. You ought to. You better make sure you pay them. When I was plumbing full time, I talked to some other plumbers, and I told them I was pastor, and they kind of chuckled and laughed, scoffed. So hope don't ever have to. I'm glad you got a plumber at your church. I don't plumb for churches anymore. What? So yeah, churches don't pay. What a horrible testimony. Listen, when the, when the butt guy comes here, the pest control people come here, I'm sitting in the office with pen in hand, checkbook and ready, so that I can write the check and pay them immediately. I do not want this church or this church's testimony to be sacrificed all because we don't pay our bills. Do you pay the bill? You got a mechanic that you owe some money to? Are you working to get that thing paid down? Withhold not good from them to who it is due when it is in thy power to thy hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, go and come again and tomorrow I will give thee when thou hast it by thee. Fear the master in heaven. Don't tell somebody, well, sorry, I'll, I'll pay you later, but you just spent all your money on a vacation to Mexico. Oh, I'll pay them later. You go to just go tell God. You know, Lord, I spent a thousand dollars on a TV, but I can't pay my can't can't pay the guy that just worked for me. That's wicked, my friend. That's what the world does. Amen. There's even a lot of people out in the world that don't even do that kind of stuff. But may it never be named once among us as Christians. We act in such a way. Fear the Lord in your work. Fear God in everything. Work for the Lord. If you're an unbeliever, your life is about what can God do for me because I've worked so hard. Listen, my friend. The question is, the statement should not be, I've worked so hard. The thought should be, God has done so much for me. Please, dear God, save me. I'm worthless, I'm helpless without your help. Dear God, save me. Christian, are you a worker for the Lord? No man can serve two masters. Either will hate the one or love the other or else he will hold to the one despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. Who are you working?